0: A young divorcee is getting her life back together by moving into an apartment, but what will she do when a strange person repeatedly calls her and threatens to change her new life around? This week, we dive into The Caller. Welcome to Partners in Fright. I'm Devin.
1: And I'm Joe.
0: (laughs) Is that as deep as your voice can go?
1: Without sounding...
0: Like a monster. Yeah. Like a troll. (laughs) Good job. Welcome, 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 everybody. How you doing this week?
1: Better than last week.
0: That's great. I love that.
1: Yeah, I love that for me. (laughs) How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Today, we passed our funding goal on the Kickstarter for our um, horror anthology book, so... To any listeners who have bought any tiers or pledged any money, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: For anyone new who's listening, Joe's referencing a horror book slash writers club he's part of, not our as in the podcasts.
0: Correct. Yeah, I'm part of a book club. Uh, It's called Howls, and this is our third horror anthology, so any listeners out there, or if you are interested in reading any horror, you can check out our f- our first book is called Howls from Hell. And our second book is Howls from the Dark Ages. And our third that will be released, wow, next month already, is uh, Howls from the Wreckage. So, yeah, if you want to read any horror, please check it out.
1: Very cool.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
1: do we have anything else prevalent
0: uh yeah it looks like you are wanting to say something oh no oh. i
1: don't i don't actually have anything
0: oh no okay <laughs> <laughs> all right so i want to preface this whole episode by saying i was a very bad movie watcher we watched this last night and i was oh so tired So I may or may not have fallen asleep and missed maybe the whole complete ending of this movie. So I'm going to be just as surprised and entertained as you guys, as Devin tells us what the hell happens at the end of this movie.
1: You know, we were talking about it just slightly earlier. Yeah. And Joe was like, oh, like XYZ happens. And I was like, what?
0: What movie
1: (laughs) were you watching? Because that's not what happened. But I will say, I think that Devin, to the deep house, is Joe to the caller.
0: Okay. I think I got you.
1: I was very bored during that one.
0: (sighs) Yeah. And you
1: were so bored that you fell asleep last night.
0: uh, Yeah. I feel bad. I want to give it a chance and fully... I I was, like, extremely tired as well. But even... when we started the movie, I was like, ooh.
1: He also but. had a conversation with me. That yeah, he doesn't apparently remember. in my
0: sleep, I have no idea. I I don't know. Well we can we can get to that part. Maybe if it's in your notes.
1: Yes. <laughs> God, I really do feel like we had something else to talk about, but
0: I don't know. Maybe it'll come up later.
1: I can't fucking think of anything.
0: Um, so this movie came out in 2011 and we found it actually on a streaming service called Crackle. I've never heard of it before. Me neither. There are so many movies on here that seem like they're parodies of other movies. There's an ungodly amount of stuff on there.
1: It was really weird. It looked like (laughs) a fake streaming service.
0: It did. Yeah. There's a shit ton of ads, but it, it was you know free. what
1: it, it looked like a streaming service that you would see in a movie.
0: That, yeah, that, and then
1: they like parodied all these <laughs> other movies on there.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Um, so free, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We just searched the app on our smart TV. Yeah,
0: it's an hour and, and a it half. Came up. Feels a little, a smidge longer.
1: And I was trying to remember how I found this one, and I don't actually. Remember, I think I was mm-hmm. deep in the depths of <laughs> IMDb.
0: Oh, you threw this on Instagram as a I vote, did. right? So
1: this was actually a vote. To thank you. That's I think that's, that's what I was thing. trying okay, to perfect. remember. Yeah. Um, I was having a hard time picking. So I threw this up as a vote in our stories on Instagram. And you guys voted on this one between... Oh, God. What was the other one? <sighs> now I'm going to have to find it. It was it was some possession one that was on Shutter. Right. That starred um oh god. Okay. It was between this one and the cleansing hour. And the cleansing mm. hour stars Kyle Gallner, who is the boyfriend in Smile. And while we didn't review Smile on the podcast, both Joe and I watched it separately on two different days. Yeah, And I was chatting with a couple of people on Instagram because I also threw it up on our stories that I was watching it. Anyway very long story. That's how I chose that one and then mm-hmm. I don't know how I found this one on IMDb but um, I was excited because it stars Rochelle Lefebvre who plays Victoria in the original Twilight. She right. was then recasted by Bryce Dallas Howard in the fourth Or, I'm sorry, the third installment. Oh, okay. She plays Victoria in the very first film. And then she was also in Under the Dome. I don't know if you remember that show, the Stephen King show? Yeah. And it also stars Stephen Moyer, who was Bill in True Blood.
0: Two vampires.
1: That's true. Oh, my God. This is like... A multiverse vampire love story.
0: (laughs) You know, I got to say, what's the actress's name again? Rochelle?
1: Rochelle Lefebvre.
0: If they ever did a brave, a live action, brave Disney movie, she would play Merida. Her hair
1: is absolutely gorgeous. Full
0: volume and curls. I love it.
1: So I was very excited about the cast on this one, which is originally why I gravitated towards it. Because I will say that. When I was looking up whether or not this was actually a horror movie, it was, I guess, teetering right on the edge of, like, thriller or drama versus horror. So I wasn't actually sure if it would turn out to be a horror movie. But I'm glad that we gave it a chance, even though Joe has no idea what happened. (laughs) Yeah, fair. (laughs) Okay, so we can get into it. Mary, who is played by Rochelle is moving into a new apartment with her little doggo named Dex, and she meets her neighbor, George. He'll come into play later. There's an old rotary phone left behind in her apartment, and she receives a call on it in the middle of her first night from someone asking for Bobby. She says, you know, no one is here by the name of Bobby. Maybe it was a person who had the apartment before. I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. And she hangs up. Mary, and I think to set the scene, the apartment is kind of dilapidated.
0: A little run down. Like we see
1: her struggling a lot with the air conditioner. It actually has this like really ugly green paint that reminded me both of the girl on the third floor and of my high school bedroom.
0: Okay, I was going to say it kind of reminded me of the green that they use in prisons to calm.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> to calm
0: prisoners, but I will strike that from the record.
1: I Did you know this about me, that yeah. I had a rainbow room? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I was really trying to live <laughs> out like my bisexual dreams by having a rainbow room, and it turned out so ugly. <laughs> It was not. It wasn't even like a forest green. It was just like a green, a green marker. It picture like the Crayola green that you would get out of a marker box. So it was like that whole was all wall my wall. green, yes. and then you had a
0: rainbow stripe. Like
1: no, so the the um what is that called? The trim.
0: Yeah, up top or down below? No,
1: in the middle. Oh, you know how my yeah yeah walls just have- trim
0: yeah.
1: Um, that was just white. So like each part of the room was like a different portion of the rainbow, but they were all just like so abrasively primary like colors, right? or like not primary, but like bold colors, I guess.
0: Vibrant. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The walls were green. My bed was blue. My dresser was purple. My closet doors were red. God bless my parents for like, well, specifically my dad for repainting literally everything that I asked for.
0: My wife, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and I,
1: he repainted my shelves yellow. And I think those were, I think that was all the colors that I had. I don't think I had anything orange. And my parents like tell this story a lot of like how it actually like did come together and that I had this like vision that they didn't really trust in, but then once it was all put together, they were like, oh, this actually looks nice. It looks like a rainbow room." but it was like, looking back, it was really ugly. I don't, right. Yeah.
0: I want to see it, but more like, I want to see a car accident. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just the intrigue. I want to see how it looks all together.
1: I don't even know if I have any old photos from it. My parents might. Like in the background of something, maybe. But
0: I never I never painted like a whole room to what I wanted. Uh, but I did have a room where I painted different like Lord of the Rings scenes. Really? Mm hmm.
1: I didn't know this about you.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I have a picture of it. Um, but it was like a really super rundown room, so I was just like
1: eh. Wait, was this in the trailer? Yeah. I might remember,
0: just little scenes. If you here.
1: find if yeah. you find a picture, it might spark a memory. I mean, you help pick colors here, right? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, well, a, you said you never painted a room the color that you wanted
0: before. Sorry, okay. like as okay. as a child, but yeah, yeah. Right now we got like a pumpkin. It's called pumpkin, I think, but it's not pumpkin orange. It's like yeah, I don't
1: know what this is called.
0: It's like a really faded terracotta. You know, when we
1: were painting this room, my dad said something that has forever ruined the color of our walls.
0: What did he say? He
1: said that it's like foundation, like like makeup foundation.
0: Maybe like Jersey Shore foundation. (laughs) I I love Uh, this color.
1: It's very, like, soothing. It is. It's, like, cozy. I think if we, whenever we move, I would maybe want to do, like, a little bit more pumpkin spicy i love it a little spicier spicy i don't know if this is actually interesting i'm sorry we got so wrapped up on paint and we're back um okay so everyone in this movie looks very sweaty like they just um <laughs> are like a little oily well, all the wait, time. do you know
0: where this takes place
1: no idea it because seems later very
0: on- like latin america vibes like, the cinematography for this feels like I'm watching a Mexican soap opera. Everything's very soft and hazy. And it
1: Well, one of the characters says later that his family got off on the wrong boat, and they thought they were going to New York. So that means that they were definitely probably on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. In, like, a port city.
0: Which is the entire East
1: Coast. Oh, my God. Fine. (laughs) I don't think they're, like, in fucking Florida. I feel like they're probably, like, in the Northeast.
0: I don't know. It's really odd.
1: But I do not have any guesses, no. Gotcha. We learn that Mary is going through a difficult divorce. We see her in court. She has a restraining order on her ex-husband, whose lawyer says that he'd like to have it removed as soon as possible because, essentially, it's a stain on his client's character. And later on, after that meeting, her ex drops off divorce papers himself, even though she says, you know, you can't be here. I have a restraining order. He grabs Mary's wrists pretty aggressively and saying, you know, we had some fun times, didn't we? And then let's go of her. And when she opens the divorce papers, it's actually just a wedding photo left in the envelope not divorce papers, and he's written Till Death Do Us Part on the back. So clearly this was an abusive relationship, and she's trying to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And he's still very much in her life. A woman calls on the rotary phone again and asks for Bobby, and then she asks who Mary is, and to tell Bobby that she called and that she'll be at Frank's at 8, And she also said that she saw Bobby in the window just last night when she walked by. Initially, Mary thinks that Steve put her up to it, this woman on the other end of the phone, but then she just kind of like placates her and she's like, fine, I'll I'll tell Bobby where, where you'll be. Mary is taking classes at community college and she meets Stephen Moyer's character, whose name is John. And she accidentally stumbles into, what was it, mathematics for engineering? Yeah, I believe so. And she's supposed to be in conversational French. But they have a very cute little interaction. She's on the subway home and she falls asleep, but she either dreams or hallucinates a man with bloody eyes who comes up to her, like right in her face. And then she kind of jolts awake or out of the hallucination. This is a recurring theme throughout the kind of quote-unquote scary parts in the movie where mm-hmm. she'll see someone with like who's crying blood basically, but it's just kind of used as a scare tactic. There's no underlying story there.
0: Yeah, not yet.
1: And not even at the end. Oh, really? <laughs> No. no.
0: (laughs) This is going to be fun. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Okay. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) So she talks to Rose again on the phone, and Rose is very upset and cries. She says that Bobby said that he loved her and asked her to marry him the day that he got back from Vietnam. She's very upset because I guess this guy's kind of like a player and she's getting stood up by him. Mary, who tells Rose her full name, by the way. Not the best idea. Like, stranger danger. Right. Internet safety. Any of these things. Do
0: you remember the full name?
1: Mary Key. Okay. Were you testing me?
0: Yeah. I do remember the key, but I thought for some reason she also gave like a middle name or...
1: No, Key was her last name and it was K-E-E. So... Mary says that Rose would have been a child when the Vietnam War ended because she's kind of like backtracking the math. Mm -hmm. Rose is like angry about this and is like, I don't know what you're talking about, and gets mad and hangs up. The next day, John finds Mary in the supermarket and tries to say hi, but in kind of like a creeper way. (laughs) I got the impression throughout the whole movie that he was just kind of like an awkward cute thing like i never got a sinister energy from him.
0: yeah it from what i saw you know the whole movie it seemed like he w- doesn't do this a lot it seems like he's a little introverted
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think they very much stereotyped him as like a nerdy engineer which was fine it was cute right mary quickly leaves after that interaction though she's actually falls over some like cereal boxes and then when she gets back rose calls her and tells her that the date is september 1979 and asks for mary to look for a rose painted on the inside of the pantry she ends up finding it even though it takes her the entire night like she doesn't immediately go check the pantry she just kind of like fucks around and then she can't sleep at night. And then she's like, I'm going to go look in this pantry. Right. Wouldn't you go immediately to check? Oh, I would. So would I.
0: I knew it. I know it would just be on my brain all night and would yeah. keep me up.
1: Yeah. So Rose says that she painted it last night. So there's this like weird time vortex going on in this apartment. And it honestly kind of reminded me of that movie, The Lake House that I love. With yeah. the Is that Sandra Bullock?
0: Uh, uh, yeah, and, um, Keanu Reeves, I think?
1: I no, was... not Keanu Reeves, John Cusack.
0: I thought there was another time travel love story with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. The oh, lakehouse. I'm sorry,
1: I thought it was John Cusack.
0: Boom. And it, this movie kind of reminded me of Frequency. Have you ever seen that? No. It's really good. Uh, so it has, uh, Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid in it, and... It's a father and son communicating 30 years apart. And Ooh. the son, Jim Caviezel, is like trying to save his father from dying, like in the past.
1: Oh, that's interesting. But there's like
0: consequences to it. It's amazing. I, I adore that movie.
1: I think I was thinking of Hot Tub Time Machine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was Cusack's like, in time,
1: that one. time Travel and John Cusack? Yes. Makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um. Okay, so Rose calls back and, oh, she, like, confirms that the Rose is there. And she's like, I painted it last night. And she says there's things that she needs to ask Mary. Right. But Mary just leaves it at Carter loses, Reagan becomes president, and then hangs up. The next morning, Mary sees George, her neighbor, working in the community garden area, and Mary asks if he knew the people who lived in the apartment before her. He says they left unexpectedly, but he can't remember the previous tenants, and he's like, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, let alone that. So then Mary finds a photo from 1977 in the pantry while she's cleaning, and it's of a couple at a diner. Which we assume is Mary, I'm sorry, Rose, Rose and yeah. Bobby. Rose ends up calling back, and Mary takes the call, like Mary is not <laughs> right freaked out enough about this, like
0: she accepted it really quickly,
1: and like not only the, like does she have no concept of stranger danger, she's just like totally accepted this time vortex happening right and doesn't see any kind of risk in communicating with someone from the past who clearly has influence on the present by painting something in her pantry Mm
0: -hmm. oh my
1: god (laughs) this girl i'm sorry like she has my sympathy for being in this abusive relationship but she is a dumb girl (laughs) (laughs) okay so rose quizzes mary kind of on her past relationships and she says that Bobby cheats on her on the time. They basically talk about how guys are shitty and Mary is like, you know, Bobby's never going to change. None, No man ever changes. They're all like that. And Mary confesses that sometimes she feels like she should have gotten rid of her ex, like her ex-husband. Yeah. All while this um, conversation is playing out, we see mary like heading to the store and her ex is watching her from a distance so he is like actively stalking her the next morning mary heads into the pantry where she found the rose and it's suddenly completely different the pantry has a brick wall now with shelves she's freaked out understandably and then the phone rings and it's rose she says that she got rid of bobby like mary suggested and worked all night to get rid of the body and people will just think that he ran away with one of his lovers mary says don't ever call me ever again and hangs up the phone keeps ringing but she ends up unplugging it and then she hammers the pantry door shut what would you do
0: I think I would be in a state of shock if I just saw that it switched over to bricks and shelves immediately. I think I would be in a like in a mindset of trying to process what the hell I'm actually seeing. Yeah. And then knowing me, I'd probably close it and be like, uh, I'll, I'll look at that later.
1: <laughs> I think that after the rose, I would probably unplug the phone and move out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. A rotary phone, by the way.
1: I did mention that.
0: No, no. Yeah, I I know. Just uh, it seems weird to me that there would just be a leftover working rotary phone in this apartment that she moves into. Yeah,
1: because everything else is kind of updated. Like it's. Uh, yeah, it implies that the time period is kind of like 2011.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Definitely bizarre that the, I mean, I get it now, a lot of this is centered around the phone, but the phone's like the only thing that's like decades older than everything else in the the apartment.
1: So after Mary's class at community college, she goes to her car and sees her ex sitting in the back of her car. She screams and heads inside to get John and he follows her out with a flashlight, basically prepared to fight this guy for her and shows her that there's actually just a bunch of photos in the back, and Joe and I discussed this while we were watching <laughs> yeah. it. We weren't quite sure if it was meant to be photos that were supposed to be there, like Mary is taking up photography as like a hobby, right. or if her ex like, did indeed break into her car, but then left photos of himself. In the back Which seat.
0: I mean at this point I wouldn't be surprised if he did that. But it looked like this it just looked like a black and white headshot.
1: Of him. Yeah. Of, yeah. This guy was so creepy, by the way. Yeah. Her ex. He reminded me of like um the like uncomfortable skits on TikTok. There's this one guy in particular who does like uh, this morning I watched him do like 30 year old. Guy going to visit a divorce lawyer with his eighteen year old girlfriend, and he's just like sniffing the whole time, and like,
0: is he acting like cringy on purpose? Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah.
1: All right. They're like hard to watch, but on purpose. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So after this interaction, John invites Mary to his family's restaurant, which is uh, a little Italian place and he has a very cute little italian family and then he walks her home when she walks in stephen is actually in her apartment i don't think i mentioned that that was her ex's name stephen whatever um she threatens to call the police but he says go ahead that'll just make me angry she brings up the restraining order and he calls it ridiculous John shows up and says he forgot his jacket, and so she answers the door for him, like he buzzes in, and her acts is like threatening, like, do not answer the door, but she does answer the door. and um, John kind of gets the point immediately and like inserts himself into the situation and kind of, you know, not forces Stephen to leave, but Stephen kind of sees that he's not going anywhere mm-hmm. and leaves. John checks the lock for her on the door and tells her to call the police, but she says that it won't make any difference. John leaves and we cut to the outside of the apartment and very suddenly there's a woman standing in the corner of the frame. Mm -hmm. And I caught it on the first go.
0: I'm impressed. I'm usually the one who catches it.
1: And we had to rewind it. This is done throughout the movie, so it's not um, as subtle later, but this was like the first instance of it, mm-hmm. and I do love like the Hill House stuff where like you have to hunt for ghosts in the corner of the frames and Same, stuff. Same, yeah. So that was exciting to me, because I was like, ooh, is this where we're going with this? <laughs> the next day, Mary tries to call her landlord about the air conditioning that broke, but her cell phone cuts out. So she plugs the rotary phone back in to call him. And as soon as she hangs up with him, the phone rings again. She's super aggressive. And she says, I told you to stop fucking calling me, but it ends up just being her mom. Then John stops by to make sure Mary's okay and fixes George's lawnmower while um he's waiting for her. And George calls Him a nervous lover. He was like, You fixed my lawnmower, like, or you touched my lawnmower, like a nervous lover. (laughs) It was very cute. Rose calls again and says that she saw Mary today with her beautiful mother posing for photos outside the cathedral and says that she's going to keep her safe, which is terrifying. Rose pulls out her photo album, and now there's a seriously creepy old lady in the background of all of her photos. Mm-hmm. essentially think like insidious when like the i don't know what they call her like the black bride or something
0: yeah she's just in
1: the background
0: yeah she gets progressively closer yeah to patrick wilson's character
1: that is so scary and it was all avoidable <laughs> by, by her just like not engaging right with this fucking ghost over the phone so mary confronts george and she kind of tests him she's like who won the World Series in 79 and George says that the Pirates beat the Orioles and then she's like well if you remember that who lived in my apartment during that time he says that it's a woman named Rose Lazar and Rose killed herself wrapped the phone cord around her neck and hung herself from the ceiling because her lover left so Bobby left her Mm Mm-hmm. Mary goes to investigate at the library but can't find a death certificate for Rose. She ends up bringing John up to speed, and he theorizes that Rose's boyfriend, Bobby, ending up dead, could interfere with the fate of her hanging herself. So, since he wasn't able to leave her, and therefore she was not upset about that, she didn't kill herself. So she's just, like, alive now, out there, somewhere. John also suggests that maybe Stephen is just fucking with her. And he says, like, there's only really one way to know for sure. Open the wall in your pantry. And she's like, I'm not touching that wall. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. When You want to know? Like, you could be oh, yeah. sleeping next to a dead body, which I think is exactly what John says. He's very logical. John and Mary have a date pretty soon after that. And... I wrote in my notes, I'm wondering if maybe Rose will kill John and justify it by Mary's reasoning from earlier that all men are the same. They will all hurt you, basically. The pair leave the carnival after Mary loses her hat on the carousel, which is important, and there's a figure standing behind them in the background just out of focus. I completely forgot Mary had a dog throughout the (laughs) All of this. <laughs> the dog just, like, keeps randomly showing up. I, I think just to threaten, maybe something will happen to the dog. I feel like every time right. it, like, it starts getting, like, mildly creepy, they're like, oh, there's a dog here. The dog could get hurt. Will it? I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, but you actually don't know. I, I-, I can spoil it. The dog lives. He's fine. Ooh. So someone buzzes Mary's doorbell. She asks if it's John, but there's no answer. And she answers the door anyway. I know, right? Even though she has like a psychotic ex-husband. But anyway, so her hat is just sitting in the street. There's a spooky sound when she goes back inside, but the dog doesn't react, which I think was just kind of like poor planning. like
0: Yeah. Okay. Did you think it was a spooky sound personally?
1: It was a cliche horror movie sound. It was like, I think the subtitle said metal banging. <laughs>
0: There were a couple points in this movie where there was creepy music, not necessarily like jump music, um, but just like eerie tension building music. I, I don't know. There's just something about it. It didn't feel authentic. I don't, I don't know. Like with music and like the score, you're supposed to not really notice. If it stands out, then
1: it's kind of taking
0: you from the movie, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't really think I noticed it too much. She ends up grabbing a knife after hearing the sound, and she checks around the apartment and then peeks outside, but there's nothing there. She locks the door, and meanwhile, um, you know, the viewer, we see a woman standing outside her apartment complex. I thought this scene was actually really effective in building tension. Like, I felt nervous for yeah. her searching the apartment. I did, too. Then Rose falls asleep on the couch. I'm sorry, Mary. Ugh, God. I did this all night in my notes. Rosemary, Rosemary. Mary is sleeping on the couch and Stephen is sitting next to her. He, like, broke into her apartment and he's just sitting there watching Jeopardy petting her hair and then she wakes up the next morning and he's gone. And at first I theorized that maybe Rose killed him. Like, Rose was watching from the outside and then saw Stephen, like, break in.
0: Like, like she cared about Mary enough to, like, quote-unquote, protect her? That's or? what I
1: thought, yeah. Oh, okay. Because he wasn't there in the morning, so I was like, oh, you know. He did. <laughs> that's That was my initial reaction. Rose ends up calling in the morning, and she sounds considerably creepier. A fly buzzes on um Mary's arm. So I was like, there's for sure a dead body in the apartment, whether it's the body that's in the pantry or rose just killed Mm steven but it ends up not being that um i don't know when we're gonna get to that answer but i don't know if it was trying to imply that rose might have killed steven but didn't happen rose ends up threatening her mother like mary's mother Mm -hmm. and and then asks who she was out with last night mary tells her his full name again
0: Okay, this I think I missed. Okay. So he so she She was
1: like, Oh, did you have a hot date last night? Well first of all, she's like threatening her. And then she's like, Who were you with last night? Who was that man? And then she's like, It's my friend John and then she's like, What's his full name? And she's like, John Guido or Guidi. I don't know. I forget. And I, th- then, I think it was Guidi. And then Rose is like, oh, I know them. I know his parents. They own the restaurant on such and such street. And she's like, yep, that guy. Like, why? She it. Why would you do that? <laughs> God. Like, at this point, this lady is showing up in the background of your photos, and you're like, oh, let me just divulge more personal information. First of all, why, why didn't she unplug the phone again? Like she plugged it back in and started engaging. Like, why didn't she just unplug it again?
0: Maybe she felt like a connection to her.
1: Like, I don't know. Like
0: a motherly connection. Obviously, her was, mom is
1: very much in the picture. Like, I don't think that she was looking for like mm. a motherly figure. Huh. I mean,
0: yeah, girl, why you keep talking on the phone?
1: Maybe <laughs> in the sense where like she killed her boyfriend, but I don't know. Yeah. So Mary ends up spinning a lie that she saw Rose in a nursing home and they have this pretty tense back and forth where Mary calls her a sad, pathetic old woman in diapers who can't fucking feed herself. And then Rose gets like really angry um, and curses her out and hangs up on her. The next day, Rose calls Mary's bluff Mary said that she was going to go visit her again. Do you remember this Hmm. at all?
0: A little bit, yeah.
1: Rose is like, was there anything different about me today? And she's like, I don't, I don't know what to say. (laughs) I don't know what to say. And she was like, well, I'm going to bury something in the tree out back and I want you to go dig it up right now. And so she like frantically goes outside and digs it up in the middle of the night. And it's a note in a jar and the note says that she basically knows she was lying and then it's a finger wrapped up in a piece of cloth
0: definitely don't remember that you don't okay
1: okay yeah so it was like a glass jar like a um you know like a sealed top yeah and she had a note like
0: super like old and mummified
1: and I mean it certainly didn't look fresh but it also didn't look it as old as it should have been, I guess. Okay. Mary calls John to come over, and he's there to examine the finger. And while he's there, the phone rings, and he insists on answering it. Rose says that she knows John's parents. And at this point, I would like to say, I predicted the movie, because I was like, mm-hmm. maybe she's gonna baby Hitler him. Like, you know mm-hmm. that whole theory yeah. of like, you know, would you go back and kill Hitler when he was a baby and, like, mess with the space-time continuum? (laughs) 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 So I was thinking, like, oh, well, she knows his parents. Like, she could just kill his parents, and then he would never exist. Rose says that she has another surprise coming for Mary and that she's figured out who the tattletale is. She mentions this earlier, um like a couple phone calls ago and she's like, Who told you that Bobby left me? Which is George. So George told Mary that Bobby left Rose. Right. Oh my God. I don't know why this like there's not that many people, but I keep getting everyone's names. It sounds up. like
0: you're dishing like right? at the office.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Did you know that George just told Mary Okay, anyway, so Rose says that, quote, his tongue shall be split. And then she starts like kind of going into this like sing-songy rhyme thing uh, that was like just kind of old lady (laughs) creepy-ish. They run over to George's apartment and he's not there. John also cannot remember George at all. And they had this very intentional cute interaction earlier where he called him a nervous lover. Mm -hmm. John can't remember that period and he actually did suggest earlier we got a little like time travel lesson um from John and he was like well you know this kind of makes sense like if you're the one who erased this path and in the fu- technically the future then you're the one who can remember that there were kind of two options right. but no one else remembers the other option like, only the person who erased that future path remembers that's how it could have been. Mm-hmm. So, John is basically like, you seem a little stressed out. <laughs> do you want to come stay with me for the night? I'll sleep on the couch. You can sleep in my bed. We can bring your doggo, um, <laughs> which is exactly what they do. He also suggests that she move out, which, duh, at this point. Yeah, right. Like, get out even though he sleeps on the couch they sleep together <laughs> I, I honestly was expecting more sex scenes going into this podcast venture because oh, like the you, cliche you in horror movies is like you have sex you die
0: true well then we need to dive a little more into the campy like 80s and 90s slasher flicks
1: We just may. (laughs) Okay, so they have sex and then she wakes up and there's this really long hallway and it looks like her apartment and she sees the phone. She tries reaching for it but then ends up dreaming of like Rose's body hanging in her apartment and then again a child crying blood. Strange. They kind of reconvene In the kitchen the next morning over coffee and she says she's gonna go pick up her things from her apartment make the call to mom that she's gonna move out and then when she leaves there's a woman out of focus in the distance Mary's walking Dex on the way to her apartment she lets the um, dog off the leash and he actually runs over to Steven big surprise (laughs) that he's waiting for her and the dog won't go back to Mary Steven says that it's not fair that John gets to share his dog and shoves her against the wall. And then I guess she makes it back to the apartment safely because we see her packing. They make plans, um, John and her, to meet after class. She calls. Um, he ends up not showing up for their date. And she calls his number and an operator says the number she dialed is out of service. To which I wrote, Rose totally baby Hitlered him.
0: <laughs> you called it.
1: She goes to his parents' restaurant and it's very like um Back to the Future part two, uh where he's looking for his dad and his mom is like doesn't outright say that he's dead, but like tells him to go to the cemetery or whatever. Right. Yeah. Cause Mrs. Guidi is like, When I wanna talk to my son, I go to the South Shore Cemetery or whatever. She goes there and there's a photo of him on the grave and he looks about to be seven or eight. Very conveniently, a woman shows up in the cemetery next to where Mary is crying and says that they were never sure whether or not John died because they never found a body. She runs home, goes absolutely batshit crazy, and opens up the brick wall in her pantry. She finds three wrapped corpses, one for George one for Bobby, and then a child's body for John. I would like to check in with you because you I, told me that you've... <laughs> you said that Mary found her own body in the pantry?
0: Uh, Well, I had woken up at this point, <laughs> and, I, and I saw the her frantically going through the wall and seeing some of the corpses, and I was trying to piece stuff together, Consciously and subconsciously, and I thought maybe she had seen her own corpse, and she herself was a ghost, but didn't know it. Listen, it makes sense. Like
1: that is not at <laughs> all what this. But I, I about. feel
0: like, I feel like this went from like <sighs> three to ten really quickly, and yeah. maybe it felt more drastic in my head because
1: you were sleeping for I, half of it.
0: Not half, but.
1: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So Mary sits at her kitchen table with the phone ringing off the hook. She finally answers and Rose sings a little sick song and Mary tells her that she was supposed to kill herself and then Rose tells her that it's basically all Mary's fault. Then Rose puts on a little girl and it's Mary as a child and Mary like doesn't really believe this. She has the little girl confirm her childhood address. And then Mary tells her to like go home. And I guess they're just like kind of arguing. Like Rose essentially says that she killed John so that she could have Mary all to herself. And that, like I said, I guessed earlier, um, John would eventually hurt her. And I don't know why, but she also wants an apology from Mary And she says that her and little Mary, like child Mary, are frying chicken, but they have to be really careful because the oil gets super hot. And then Mary starts, like, apologizing to Rose frantically. And Rose says that she doesn't actually think that she's sorry. Suddenly she hears splashing oil and her child self screaming over the phone. And when she pulls away from the phone, Real time, like burns appear all over her body, not like fresh burns, but like scars.
0: Yeah, um, it kind of reminded me of uh, choose or die, where at the very end they were like attacking each other, and then the other person would get, yeah, like the wounds, the cuts, and stuff. It was pretty cool. I like that part.
1: Yeah, the next day, Mary talks to Rose cordially, um, and is kind of like apologetic. She's like, Oh, like I do want to be friends with you, and they're like talking. And she's like remembering her time in the hospital as a child, like recovering from burns. And she says that she remembers her birthday party was at a bowling alley, but nobody came because they were afraid of how she looked. So she like asks Rose to come to her birthday party. Meanwhile, while she's talking, we see a flashback of Mary at the library printing out a newspaper article of a bowling alley inferno where like Nine, uh, not nine, 18 people died, I think. It seems to have worked, Mary's little plan. But then we see an outside apartment shot with the woman again. So maybe it didn't work. Then unfortunately, the phone rings again and it's Rose. She says that she missed the bus, but it was kind of convenient because of what happened at the bowling alley. And then she's like, you've tried to fucking kill me. And Mary's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's fine <laughs> um rose has her younger self there again how this child has managed to be kidnapped twice in like the same fucking week i have no idea <laughs> so mary instructs her to go home again and then pleads with rose not to hurt her self. She says that she should go because she has a visitor, and then when Mary goes outside, we get a lot of like ominous whispering when she's headed to the door, and then someone with a machete is at her apartment and breaks the glass in. I assume that it was Rose, but I didn't want I did want to give it like the benefit of the doubt because yeah. it could have been Stephen. Mary locks herself in the apartment, but the person hacks down her door with the machete. She grabs a knife and she hears her younger self over the phone crying and she ends up walking her through escaping. She accidentally falls on her knife, which like, oof. (sighs) Wouldn't you just hate yourself if you did that? Like if you were trying to escape and like, that's the same thing of like you were like running to your car and then you dropped your car keys and like couldn't get her away in time.
0: Have you, when you were younger, did you ever like try and race yourself on unlocking your front door to see how quickly you could do it? Like, you would pretend someone is chasing you and you have to try and get in the house as fast as you can?
1: I do that today.
0: Oh, well, now. How, how fast are you, partner? I'm
1: fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> <laughs> not that fast. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm I'm very uncoordinated. <laughs> um. Okay, so she falls on the knife and then ends up having to yank it out Uh, The door opens, revealing Rose as like an old lady, not terribly old. She's not like decrepit, but she looks pretty spry for her age, I guess.
0: I don't remember this part.
1: Okay. I guess I assume that she would be like 80. I guess maybe she was more like 70 or potentially like 60 something. Right. Um. And she basically just looks like she was plopped in out of like a 50s sitcom. Like she almost looks like uh, sepia-toned. Right. Um, And she's got this machete and this like 50s dress on and she looks absolutely bonkers. (laughs) Mary has the rotary phone and she's kind of like dragging herself into the other room to get away from Rose. She's instructing her younger self to smash a mirrored wardrobe in the bedroom, which, like, I guess her apartment was furnished? Like, it came furnished or something? Because, like, how would that wardrobe be there 40 years ago? Oh,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: She tells her to grab a big shard of the mirror and stab Rose as hard as she can. Rose is about to kill Mary, but then suddenly just disappears. And Old Mary is kind of like in a fetal position, crying. And then we hear younger Mary over the phone crying. And she says that Rose's eyes are open. She keeps saying that. Her eyes are open. Her eyes are open. And she's lying on the floor. Mary just tells herself to go home. The next day, I'm assuming, Stephen shows up at Mary's apartment and just waltzes right in. He hits her when she tells him to get out and she starts bleeding from her mouth. She notices a scar on her hand from the mirror when she killed Rose as a child and then offers Steven one last chance to get out and he says, or what? So he tests her a little bit and then right after that, we see Mary working and singing into the night, repaving her pantry wall.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember that part.
1: You asked me what happened to her ex.
0: Well, I remember the, like, repaving.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, d- earlier this evening, Joe said, I don't even know what happened to her ex-husband.
0: Okay, I didn't know that he came back. Okay. And they so had that little So you woke that up conveniently
1: squ- just when she was paving the wall.
0: Uh, yeah, because, like, a couple sleepies ago, I had just seen her destroy the wall and pull these three carcasses out. So... I don't know if she hid the bodies. I don't know if she just propped them back up and pretend they didn't even exist and then repaved the wall. Gotcha. But, okay. You're All right, well, that, that, that makes sense. How, how do you feel about that ending?
1: Um. Like,
0: does it... Does like, it-
1: honestly, I, I was thinking about this. Like, I would like to think that that experience of, like, her empowering herself as a child, was, like, ingrained into her her head, and then she, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say smart enough to not get into that situation, because I know, like, that, I feel like that's victim shaming, and that's not what I'm trying to get at, but I feel like maybe, like, it would have been easier for her to get out of the situation with Steven, or to not even get into it in the first place, having gone through that Situation as a child because like there's like a lot of like parallels of like Rose was a stalker Stephen's a stalker like they were both abusing her in different ways and I mean she like Got herself out of the situations both times but I guess I just thought that Stephen would be like a non-issue once She helped her younger self kill Rose. I get that. I guess it does make sense I also feel like maybe it was easier to kill people in 1979 than it is like in 2011. <laughs> yeah, I so, would think so. Because, like, yeah. I mean, he has a lawyer. His lawyer is going to be like, where's my client? Maybe he's in the walls of his ex's apartment.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to ask, does it sway your enjoyment if you predict the ending and it does come true?
1: Well, I didn't predict this, this ending because, uh, like I said, I thought that her life was going to be, like, drastically changed from this experience of, like, mm. killing Rose both, at, like, real time and in the past. So that part didn't come true. Uh, I really did not think that they were going to go, like, the baby Hitler route. They, and, then, and they <laughs> actually went darker with it than I expected because I thought that she was going to kill, like, his parents to, like, make him like so he just like wouldn't exist yeah yeah you know um but she killed him when he was like eight which is fucked up
0: yeah i am picturing like a episode of rick and morty now where she teams up with her baby past self and then they just go through and like do like detective missions yeah yeah (laughs) i could see that
1: this lady was kind of fucked up
0: (laughs) mary Rose. No, Rose.
1: Yeah. No, I feel bad for. Mary. Do you think
0: do you think it's worse that uh, trying to phrase this question. Rose being this twisted in 2011 is that worse than her being that twisted in the 70s? Cuz I don't know about you, but whenever I read or watch a video or something on like like a serial killer for some reason I feel like it's way more fucked up if the serial killer happened in like 1923 and they did all this messed up stuff rather than present day Mm. do you feel that same way or no?
1: I think when it happened so long ago it kind of creates this like break with reality right like it kind of glosses over the severity of it you know what I mean, right? And it's difficult because a lot of the times, like we'll, we won't know that it's a serial killer until like
0: after the fact,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's a little weird. Although there is, I believe, one in Chicago right now. You didn't hear about this?
0: Wait, is it? Is I similar? don't know.
1: I don't want to talk about it because I I really am not uh well versed or educated on it at all.
0: Gotcha. So. <laughs> Boy, it is we know nothing about them.
1: Google it. Um, I kind of <laughs> want to backtrack on what I said about Rose because, or um, oh uh, God, Mary, Mary. <laughs> I want to backtrack on what I said about Mary because I guess the fact that she walked her younger self through this like emergency, like life, life or death situation, mm-hmm. and kind of like empowered herself in that way, I think then allowed her to see like wow i can do this for myself like i can do this now in the present whereas maybe before i felt like i couldn't do that for myself so i guess maybe i do understand the ending not saying that i didn't understand it before but uh, like why they didn't do like a time vortex thing i don't even know if it's fair to ask you to rate this movie do you feel comfortable rating this movie
0: uh Oh, I feel comfortable in rating it. I don't know if it's like valid, but okay. Shoot, uh, I'm gonna give it a three out of ten.
1: Okay, um, I'm gonna give it a six. Okay, I don't know, uh, maybe five. I don't know, five and a half. Fine, five and Split a half. Split the difference. Final answer. This, I, I don't want my rating to come across, um. As if this is a good movie, (laughs) right? This is like it's like a healthy enough dose of bad where I liked it because I I'm I'm the one in the team, the marriage, the friendship, the boat. I don't know.
0: (laughs) What are you getting?
1: (laughs) I'm the one out of the two of us who likes like the shittier movies. So this was like a healthy enough dose of bad where I enjoyed it in that respect. I gotcha. I also, there were a couple different, it did like disturb me a little bit. Like that um, oil scene kind of got to me. So that was a bit disturbing. Um, But the rest of it really wasn't that bad. I enjoyed like the relationship between mary and john Mm -hmm. it was super cute and like anything that i would want out of like a little horror movie romance okay and it felt more like kind of drama relationshipy than like typical horror movie so that was nice and then it had that like there was an investigation aspect of it like mary went to the library you know that a movie is gonna be good when they fucking go to the library and like research shit
0: there's a couple moments where i rolled my eyes yeah and you're right every movie needs either the historian character where they're like, oh, man, old man Jenkins, he's the only one left alive now when the tugboat incident happened at the harbor.
1: Right, so we're that gonna was go talk to him. Yeah.
0: Or they have the research scene. Mm-hmm. Like, every, like, the uh, Muschietti's it. They go to the library, they start yeah. going through the...
1: And John was, like, the smart guy. So he, like... Yeah. He gave I, us a little lesson in time travel.
0: I did love... Yeah. I did love the chemistry between him and Mary it did feel really natural and easy Uh, I could not get past the cinematography or the filters that they were using
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah it actually kind of did remind me of like the twilight filter (laughs) except for it wasn't blue it was like a weird yellowy green right and everybody looked oily
0: (laughs) yeah I don't know
1: uh, and like there, I said, I think it was just like the right amount of bad where it was kind of good.
0: Yeah, I get that. Some of the writing, too, like there was a there was a point where John said, I'm a Trekkie. You can tell me anything. I was like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like, does that is that supposed to mean that? Oh, I'm I'm quirky and out of the box enough for you to tell me something weird and I would understand it. I don't know. It felt really forced and just like, yeah, you sure about that? But. Um, Yeah, that's just being super picky but
1: this is the kind of movie that would come on during like a rainy afternoon when you're home from school like right when we get home from school and it's just like a light rain outside (sighs) and like it's like maybe summery and you're like kind of sleepy like you were and then you like put this one on and it's like just a random movie that came on like lifetime channel or something. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> let me throw this on. And then you like, like you said, fall asleep halfway through
0: slept like a baby.
1: It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Cool. Well, I feel good that we're back on track now of like, cause last week we did actually, yeah, last we had two... a couple
1: one-offs. Lately. Yeah. The
0: last two movies, it wasn't really like a you or I thing. So the ne- next week is, is my pick.
1: Well, guess what? The week after that is my pick. And does anybody (laughs) want to know? And the week after that is my pick. (laughs) But no. So my pick after your pick is very important as well. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But my pick the next week is going to be Love Object. (gasps) Because we got it on eBay, baby.
0: Oh, my. Okay. So if you guys don't know, this is our magnum opus maybe i don't know our golden
1: joe joe has never seen this movie and i am just relishing the fact that he is
0: okay i so i much. feel <laughs> i feel like i know that this movie is just going to be like super mediocre but the hype i don't are... think
1: you know i don't think you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the hype around this movie of like it's it's not sold anywhere. you can't get it you, you can't, can't watch get... it we you paid how much for this, and it's a DVD?
1: Okay, so I actually paid nine dollars, which was so much better than the forty seven dollars okay, it yeah. was listed for on Amazon. I paid nine bucks on eBay. Can we
0: even play a DVD? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it just because of like the hype around it.
1: Watch me plug it in, and it's like um
0: a bootleg it, of like
1: yeah, like it's Freddy like a um, or something. <laughs> block blister from the Amanda Show. And it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> it's them badly acting out the whole movie. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so we ordered Love Object, which I'm very excited about. Cool. I think that about does it for us. Awesome. So you can, <laughs> no response. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Partners and Fright Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Fright Partners and you can also find us on tiktok at partners and freight podcasts i think i don't know uh you can do the link in the bio thing from instagram and it'll take you there there you go Uh, yeah (laughs) and we have new episodes coming out every tuesday with that being said we'll see you next tuesday goodbye